Hi, I'm Janeth. Welcome to Bloom Into Your Soul. Here we learn and share all things that will guide us back home into our body and begin to hear our inner voice in order to create a life that feels so good and allows room for all of our healing on a mind, body, and soul level. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Bloom Into Your Soul. I am your host, Janeth, and I'm excited to have you here. Today, I'm chatting with Saran again. If you listened to my previous episode, you know that Saran is a birth and postpartum doula based um, here locally in San Antonio, Texas. She's the owner of Birthing Rainbows and also a part of the collective Rooted Birth. And she's a mom of three who has experience with um, baby wearing, cloth diapering, breastfeeding, and both in and out of hospital births. Today, we sit down and talk about a very vulnerable and sensitive topic um, that is pregnancy loss and her experience um, and how she navigated four miscarriages. I'm coming on here because I really wanted to take the time and let you know that this episode can be triggering and I trust you to use your discernment. In this episode, you will hear me suggest that um, a lesson could be come from an experience such as loss. And you do hear Saran call me higher as she mentions that there, she doesn't see how there could be a lesson in such thing. And so I left this there in this episode because I thought that it was a very human experience and a very beautiful moment as to witness how women can call each other higher in such a beautiful way. I hope that you enjoyed this episode just as much as I did and you gather so much knowledge and insight from this episode just as much as I did. Ron, thank you so much for coming on here again um, and and talk about a vulnerable topic that I don't think gets a lot of um, conversation. I don't think we get a lot of conversation around it. And I think that um, by sharing our story, we heal. Mm-hmm. So I hope that this conversation not only um, helps and supports those who listen to it, but also maybe you and I in some shape or form. And I just want to add that I've never experienced a miscarriage. So I'm learning with your story. And I'm also learning how to support anyone who has been through this or could potentially go through this. And um, the statistics say that one in four women Mm -hmm. suffer from a uh, pregnancy loss. And I want to say that I know at least three women in my close circle who have experienced it. And I didn't have the tools um, to be able to support them. And Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that this podcast, like I said, helps both those who have not gone through it, but help support those who have gone through it and those who have gone through it. Thanks for having me. I 
I hope for the same. Um, I've learned over the years that talking about it and sharing it and validating what I went through is very helpful. Um, and it's gotten easier the more that I've shared. And so I do hope that by doing so, others will feel heard and seen and not alone um, and maybe even have some hope that things can get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do, do you want to begin by um, sharing your story with okay. us? Yeah, um, I had my first miscarriage after um, being a mom of two with when I tried to get pregnant with my second, it did take me some time. Um, it took me about 10 months and I was I was young. So that was a worry for me, but I didn't have any losses. And um, this was in 2010. I was excited to be pregnant with my third. I went and told everyone. It wasn't something I was concerned about. Um, and then a few weeks later, uh, I was at the hospital for my dad who was having a triple bypass surgery and I realized that something was wrong. Um, I started bleeding and I didn't have a lot of pain, but I knew that the pregnancy was over just by the amount of bleeding I was experiencing. And I was already in this heightened anxious state trying to care for my father that I didn't even acknowledge what I was going through. I just tried to make it through the day. I did call my midwife and and she basically was like, there's nothing we can do about that at this point. So I made it through the day and I kind of bottled it up. And then when I got home that night, I fell just like it all hit me and I realized what had happened. And I was crushed, um, completely crushed. And I think a lot of women wait to say it when they're pregnant now because the idea of having a loss is so present that they don't want to have to go and tell people that they've lost a child. Um, And that was really hard for me at the time because I went and shared all of this news and then I had to go back and say, "Never mind, I'm not pregnant anymore. Um, And this is where you get comments that are not helpful uh, you know, oh, well, you already have two, so it was okay. Or at least you have a boy and a girl already, so it's fine. Or it was really early, so, which are very dismissive. Yes. Very dismissive. So invalidating that I was carrying a life and everyone wants to sweep it under the rug. And I understand that some people don't have that experience and they don't know what to say. Um, but dismissing someone's emotions and feelings and pain and loss is not the proper way to handle it. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Say, I'm sorry, give them a hug. I love you. Something that is not taking away from what they're going through. So having had that happen, um, I waited months to try again. And then when I did try again and I got pregnant again, I didn't tell anyone because those comments were so painful for me that I was never going through that again. Um, And so the first one was in June. 
And this time I had done the research and I knew about losses and I thought, oh, the chances are very slim that that's gonna happen twice in a row. So I still allowed myself to get excited. Um, even without sharing the news with anyone, I still, I didn't have a fear. I was leading with joy and excitement. And um, then we went in for a doctor's appointment and I had a sack, but I had no heartbeat. And they said, maybe it's too early. Come back in a couple of weeks and we'll look again. And we came back and there was still not one. So um, we knew that that was gonna end. And I was probably, I think I was most upset about not understanding why it was happening and why this had happened twice in a row. And it had never been an issue before and I didn't know anyone who was going through it. And I just, I was kind of in this state of shock, like, I just can't understand why this is happening to me. Um, but because it happened twice in a row, they, my doctor referred me to a maternal, no, a reproductive endocrinologist. And I went to see him. We did tests on everyone, um, meaning my husband and myself at the time. And I remember my first meeting, I had something like 17 vials of blood taken. I had to sit for an hour afterwards just so I didn't, didn't get sick. I saw a hematologist and a rheumatologist. I had a test done where they insert dye um, to make sure there's no blockages in my fallopian tubes and nothing wrong with my uterus. Um, and nothing came back. Everything was fine. Everything was clear with both of us. And so um, I was diagnosed with secondary recurrent miscarriages, miscarriage. Um, but, but I wasn't given a reason as to why this was happening. And the doctor I was seeing said, well, if you try again right away, sometime it can work. Mm -hmm. So I decided even with all of this fear and misunderstanding that, okay, if that's what it takes, I'll do it right again, right away again. Um, and I did and I was getting blood draws at the local hospital every other day to make sure that my levels were going up um, to the point where I had like some cartilage in my, in my arm because I was getting it done so often. And we knew that that wasn't working. Um, we knew that this one wasn't gonna last either. And so the third, that one was, um, after, that was when I got diagnosed with secondary recurrent miscarriage. The second was when I first, before I saw him, the third was after, that's when he told me to get pregnant right away again. So I had that mixed up. And so after the third loss, we decided to try some more things. Um, I was getting ultrasounds to check about my ovulation, to see how many follicles I had. Um, and I took Clomid, yeah. I took Clomid um, to just enhance what, I, what my body was already doing, just in case that was a problem. And I started taking progesterone injections at home and I got pregnant again. And this was August of 2011. So it had been more than a year since my first loss. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and with all of this happening, I thought, okay, we're, we're doing all the things. I'm taking this progesterone. This is definitely going to work. I had a heartbeat. Um, my numbers rose. I thought I'm finally at the end of this journey. I'm finally going to have a baby. I made it past 12 weeks. Um, the first few months or two months of that, I stayed home and I stayed in the bed and I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to do anything that would jeopardize this baby sticking. I was terrified. Um, I didn't let myself be excited because I have been through so much already. I didn't tell anyone other than my mother and maybe one or two close friends. And then at 14 weeks, I decided we're safe, we're in the clear. And I was out shopping with my family mm-hmm. and um, I started to hemorrhage. I went, I, I could feel myself bleeding. I went to the bathroom and I lost my baby in the bathroom of a public store. Um, I didn't know what had happened. It was very, I was in shock. I was completely and totally in shock. I was not expecting this. I had finally let myself try to be normal. And it's not a situation that I can really even describe to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really traumatizing to say the least. Mm-hmm. And it was, that happened in 2011. And it wasn't until this year or 2020, I was on Instagram and I saw a post that said, I lost my baby in a toilet and it made everything come back to me because I thought I was the only one and I carried a lot of shame, Uh so much shame for sitting there and knowing that something had happened and not knowing what to do. And, and I'm not at home. I don't have time to process this. There were women like knocking on the bathroom door and the shame I felt for flushing the toilet Mm -hmm. that I carried with me for a decade Mm -hmm. um, when I saw that some other woman had experienced that and I read the comments and I heard more women say the same thing and, and it made me feel it just gave me like a hug. It, it just made me feel like I wasn't alone. Yeah. And so that honestly was what made me share that part of my story. I had told people about my miscarriages and talked about that, but I had never said how, mm-hmm. um, because I was, I was ashamed of it. I was embarrassed. I thought I did the wrong thing. And just knowing that it happened to someone else changed everything. Um, So that was a really traumatic experience for me. After being in the restroom, I got up, I came out, I had texted my ex. um, They were waiting by the door, barely made it to the car. I began to hemorrhage. Um, I got in the car, still in shock, still sobbing. I had two kids in the back seat. We tried to feed them (laughs) and then I got up again and realized my entire jeans were soaked. If I moved at all, it was, it was very scary. 
So um, we were able to give the kids to my parents. I had to go to the emergency room. I had to have some procedures done fully awake. Um, and that whole experience gave me, um, and I don't say this lightly, but it gave me some traumatic stress disorder, um, some PTSD. I wasn't able to go in a public restroom for almost a year after that. My anxieties would raise so much. Um, if my cycle came, it was very hard for me to see. Um, and I would get really anxious and really depressed. And anytime that I would see blood, it was a reminder of that. Anytime I would go into a restroom, it was a reminder of that. And it was almost as if I could feel it happening again. So thankfully, um, I was able to work with a therapist and we did a lot of work on this to the point where it was just me walking in the bathroom and walking out. Like that was a big step. I could go in there and I could walk out and then I got a little more progressive each time. Um, and I was able to find some normalcy but it took a very long time. It was really hard for me. Um, I didn't think I would ever try to get pregnant again after that experience. I didn't, I could never imagine going through that again. Um, and so I took more than a year before I could even consider it. Um, and then, and I wanna say December 2012, January 2013, I, for some reason, just said, you know, maybe if I try another doctor, maybe somebody else can figure out why this happened. Maybe someone else has an idea of how to help me. So I tried to find the best doctor here that I could. I had a meeting with him and I took all of my charts and went down and talked to him for about an hour. And he was like, oh, I know what to do. I know exactly what to do. And <laughs> I kind of, I was laughing like, oh, of course you do. You can't just tell me this. You don't know how, how sensitive I am. I can't experience a loss again. But he walked me through it and said, well, we're gonna do this and this and this. And I'm, I'm pretty confident it'll work. Um, and I, I trusted him. <laughs> I don't know why, I don't know how, but I, there was something intuitive about, okay, okay. Um, so I got pregnant in February of 2013 with my third, and I was on a combination of progesterone, steroids, thyroid medicine, um, and there's one other one that for some reason I can't remember. Mm -hmm. And I had to wean off my antidepressants all at the same time. Um, my fear was ever present. I only told one person for many, many months. Um, I didn't want to do anything. <laughs> I didn't want to leave the house. Uh -huh. um, but eventually, I think about 20 weeks in, um, I was seeing a maternal fetal medicine doctor I was seeing the endocrinologist and a regular OB. Um, my maternal fetal medicine doctor was really great because he would reassure me and 
I would have ultrasounds often to just say, she's still there. She's still there and her heart's still beating and I can see her. Um, and that's really what kept me going and kept allowing me to be a little more hopeful. But I remember not even buying anything for, I had given everything away in that time that I thought I wouldn't have another. And um, that was a, a very healing process for me. I sort of cried over the, these things for my first two that I had been saving. And I didn't want to make any money off of them. So I donated them to families who needed them and some teen moms and a couple of families in Mexico. And um, I thought I saved these for a kid I'm never gonna have but at least I can do something useful with them. And I was really proud of that. But then when I decided again, and here I was pregnant, I had to buy everything again, which was great. I'm not complaining about it at all, um, but I waited a long time because I, yeah. Um, and then I finally, at that time, allowed myself to be joyful. I was still scared. I was still very scared, but she, she stuck. The doctor was right. He knew what to do. I've never had any thyroid issues, but I was apparently experiencing them only in pregnancy. Yes. And so that was a huge change. That was um, the, the thyroid medicine and the steroid were the two things that we hadn't tried with any of the others. And I'm not sure if it was one of them or both, but I'm so grateful that I reached out to him. And then I got my rainbow baby. Um, and her middle name is Rainbow because that's how important it is. That's why my company is Birthing Rainbows. That's why I wear this rainbow necklace around my neck. I really became obsessed with the idea that things can get better. And um, that's what they symbolize for me. I just want to take a moment and honor, honor you for, for the strength to share that with us. And then also honor you for your, your ability to move through that season of your life so intuitively. Like when you, like you mentioned saying, I just, I just, something told me, go um, see this doctor, find a reason. You, you, you sound like you're speaking from your intuition mm -hmm. and then you trusted it and you just got your rainbow baby yeah and, I did. <laughs> and it, it's such a joy to know that you were able to experience this even after everything you went through and for those it's like a reminder for those who have been going through this or who have experienced this that there's a rainbow after like the storm mm -hmm. and and we can just grasp onto like the light and you come the other way, the other side with support, mm -hmm. everything will be okay. Right. Am I saying it something? Yes. I because I don't want to say something like dismissive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. And I think um, it's important to honor those dark moments and to sit with them and to process them. Um, and that's how you appreciate 
whatever your light ends up being, I'm fully aware that not everyone gets a rainbow baby. And um, I would never want to put out there that that's a guarantee if you just keep trying, because sometimes it doesn't happen. Um, but I hope, my sincere hope, is that everyone will find some light after they go through a dark phase in their life and whatever it may be for them. Um, I do think if you have hope, you can you can find something at the end of it. Um, some reason, some something good. <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes it's a lesson. Um, sometimes it's an understanding of well. I don't know. I don't want to say it's always a lesson because as much as I've gone through, I know that there are women who never had the opportunity to, to carry or birth a child. And I don't know what their lesson would be in that, you know? Um, but I hope that, that going through all of that, they are still able to find something in the end or, and to, to find some joy in life. Um, after it all, because it's a very dark time, regardless of if you've had a child or not, to lose a child is just painful. Yeah. You mentioned initially um, when you told others that those dismissive comments, and were they, were, what would you have wished that you know, the people around you, your loved ones, your community would have said for you, like, what would have made you feel held? Oh, that's the exact word, you know, hold space, listen, listen, and validate how they're feeling. I think the people who were the most helpful for me were people who had experienced it. And just saying, um, I understand, I understand and I'm sorry. And if you don't understand and you haven't been through it, you can still say, I know this is very hard for you and I'm sorry. What do you need me to do? Treat a woman, a person who has lost a child, whether it was at eight weeks or at 18 weeks or at 28 weeks, treat them or, or beyond that, um, as if they've experienced a death because that's what it is. And at the moment that you find out you're carrying a life, you have expectations for what, what that's going to look like, how it's gonna change your life, who that person is going to be. And the moment that you're no longer having that, it's a loss and it's a hurt. Um, and people should understand that and hold them you know like if if someone lost an older child I certainly hope no one would say it's okay because you have two other ones right <laughs> um I would certainly hope that they would bring some bring a meal and sit down and listen to their memories and let them talk about it and let them express themselves and and watch what you say and be kind and consider it um and that's also needed 
whether it was an early loss or not. Um, just, yeah, the things not to say are the dismissive things. Um, and I understand that not everyone has experienced this and they don't always know the right thing. And yeah, sometimes you might have the best intentions by trying to make someone feel better, but you don't always need to feel better. And that's what I was saying about, you have to sit in the darkness, you have to process it, you have to be there and allow yourself to feel whatever it is that you need to feel and process it in whatever way you need to process it. And it's no one else's job to tell you that you shouldn't be feeling that. Um, and so, yeah, if your intention is to cheer someone up, what if they're, they're not ready to be cheered up? But if if she is, if they want to be cheered up and the person says, well, you just come watch a movie with me and laugh, you can totally do that. It's up to her how she wants to process what she's going through, not you. So I think that's the important thing is to hold space, hold space for what she needs, ask her what she needs. and. Um, and do that for her without judgment. The thing that's coming up for me is um, the way that we care for uh, a woman after they've given birth. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the same thing. You just experience a loss, right? But um, you were carrying a baby and mm -hmm you it's almost like you need that nourishment you need that rest that support the same as a new mother does mm -hmm. can we do that for the women who have lost a baby right exactly and how healing would that be for us as like a community and like also as like as it applies to the whole world you know like because my train of thought here is if we as women as mothers are the ones raising the children and th these children are, are going on to create the next generation we need our mothers healthy mm -hmm. and so exactly. can we tend to them so that they can, if they choose to continue um, to try to have another baby, or if not, they can be healthy so that right. our whole future generation and society can be healthy. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to add that in. Yeah, and that's a good point because that year um, that I was going through the trauma of the fourth loss, um, and probably still dealing with the ones prior that I hadn't truly processed. I had two kids. I was a stay-at-home mom. And um, there were times where I was so sad and so low, um, so consumed with all of the tests and all of the figuring out what had happened and why, um, dealing with the grief that I, I don't know how present I was. Um, it was helpful to have anyone who was willing to just give me some time, to give my kids some attention. Um, that's a, a big one, you know, they are there too. And you're so right that helping the mom helps the whole family. 
of being there for her is helping the other kids if there are any. And I think it's important because, yeah. And I think it's a compounding feeling when a lot of women, myself included, feel guilty about their losses. And was it my fault and what did I do? And then if you're sad about that and you have other kids and you're not being fully present, then you feel bad about that. And it can get you in a very dark place. And it's such small things that you can do to help. Um, a phone call, a checking in, take the kids, bring some food that just make her feel not alone and, and can help her just have a little time and space. And you might not know how much how helpful it is, but I promise that it is. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that, because what I've experienced is that like you, you didn't tell um, a lot of people about your other pregnancies mm -hmm. and losses. Um, do you think that there's some reason as to why women are not like sharing it. Like it, part of it, you said you didn't want to hear the messages, like mm -hmm. um, the dismissive ones and it wasn't helpful for you. Mm -hmm. And then also, how do you know when to share your story and reach out for help and I'm saying this because I know that sometimes women need help, mm -hmm. but they're not willing to share their story because they're scared, they feel shame, they feel guilt, and they don't have the support around them for them to feel held. Mm -hmm. So how did you go about that? Um, a couple of things. I think... It was being afraid of the comments, but also um, that sometimes there's they they ugh. <laughs> sometimes it feels like there's judgment. Yeah. Um, why do you keep trying? Mm -hmm. um, and I can't imagine for women who are going through IVF processes who don't have any children. I'm sure they get. Why don't you just adopt? that's none of your business. Please do not judge me and my choices. Um, so that I'm sure is a big reason why women don't share. And the reason I share my story is because I think every time you can see yourself or a part of your journey in someone else, it, it gives you a little, a little hope, a little feeling that you're not alone. Um, and it took me years to understand that. But now that I am able to share and have a voice, it's really important for me. Um, and that's kind of how my process was. I, I didn't have, I had one close friend who had experienced a miscarriage and she was a great resource for me. She was always very validating and even gave me ideas like a plant or a necklace to remember the ones that I lost, which I do have and has each of their birthstones in it. Um, 
but there's also support groups. I think finding a safe space is the most important part because I think the more you open up to people who don't make you feel safe, the more alone you feel. And the opposite is finding places where you can feel safe, the less alone you feel and the more held you feel. And if it's an internet support group about loss, great. If it's a local support group about loss, not everyone's story is gonna be the same, but you've all experienced this and you know that you're not the only one, which can help so much with the feelings of guilt and the feelings of judgment. Um, and that started with my therapist, honestly. I wasn't feeling very supported in my own small community, but she helped me so much, enough to be able to reach out enough to start sharing small bits of my story. Um, and like I said, the more I felt seen and not alone, the easier it got. And it took years, it took years. Um, I recently wrote a blog post about all of my losses. And this is 10 years after the fact. Um, and it was still very hard. It was so hard that I had to have friends edit it because I typed it out as quickly as I could. And then I said, I can't go back through it. I can't, I need, I need time. Um, so yeah, it still hurts. I don't think that ever goes away, but it's gotten easier. Um, and I feel that it's so important to share because every time I hear, oh, you know, I read that and it reminded me of this or it made me feel anything supportive, it makes me feel like it was worth it. Um, and I've, like I said, with the Instagram posts from someone I don't know at all, right. it, it was so healing for me. And I even messaged that person and said, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for sharing this. And I think each time a woman shares their story, especially publicly, we don't need to put a face to it, but it helps someone um, and it reduces the stigma of it being our fault or us doing something wrong or there being judgment and you, you see that there's a community and that it is one in four women. Um, and I think it's gotten so much better, honestly. I'm really grateful for everyone who is sharing now because 10 years ago it wasn't nearly this easy to talk about for anyone you weren't seeing the stories you weren't there weren't communities talking about it um on social media and now i i just think we're going in the right direction i think we have a long way to go but i am grateful that people are feeling more able to express what happened to them. Yeah, yeah. I I echo those words of like, we are going in the right direction because I do see a lot more um, communities and people sharing and, and people um, just shifting like myself, the way that we see uh, pregnancy loss and and trying to figure out how we can support those who mm -hmm. experienced it. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you remember, but um, 
or I don't know if you know, but, um, what is her name? I, I remember um, her husband, uh, the John Legends. Oh, yes. Yeah. Chrissy Teigen. Yes. She recently went through a pregnancy loss and, oh my goodness, I wanted to cry. Like I did cry. When I read, and I'm getting emotional right now, when I read like some of the things that people were saying, mm -hmm. it's just so heartbreaking. Like, like you said earlier, she experienced a loss. It's like experiencing our grandfather's um, death. It's like experiencing like someone like that and for them to be telling her like she's in the public eye, such horrible comments and it just, I don't even want to say the comments. Yeah, right. It, it was so like we, I need to, I need to do something also in my part to educate myself. Um, because if, I mean, we can never control anybody else's actions. So mm -hmm. my train of thought went automatically to, okay, if I can't influence, like help those people that were making such negative comments and judgment towards her, then what can I do? Right. To be able to be, have the knowledge and have the vocabulary to help those who are immediately close to me and have experienced this. Mm -hmm. and or would possibly experience this in the future and so that it just shifted the way I I had to share and I had when you offered to come on here and share your story I was like yes we need to talk about this because grief is something that our body holds on to if we don't process it exactly yes grief like it's felt in our lungs. It's felt like here and to carry that, that with us by ourselves, without the support of a therapist, without the support of community with judgment and all the stigma, it's painful. And I'm wondering like what that does to the, to the female body, like to the right. woman's body. Right. So the more we can come to an understanding and to find the vocabulary to support uh, women who have experienced pregnancy loss and are going through grief, because I think grief is like an ongoing journey. It's mm -hmm. not something like linear where you get to the end of your right. Like There are seasons, there are scents, there are smells, there are textures, there are dates that will trigger those memories and bring back the grief that is in your body certainly we we can support women through this the, the healthier our world would be yeah i agree completely and i to go back to chrissy Teigen, i think my initial reaction was to cry and to grieve with her because i couldn't imagine um I couldn't imagine, <laughs> but I also appreciated her so much because I think she was so brave mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't, I couldn't have been that brave 
in the moment. Um, like I said, it's taken me a long time to be able to talk about this calmly and to be okay. Um, and a lot of processing, but I think she used her platform to help so many women who've been through that experience and felt alone. And, and to say, you know what? You can do this however you want. If you don't want to tell anyone, that is totally your choice. And if you want to post pictures and process and honor this experience that you had, that's also completely acceptable. And, right. and it can be applauded and you can see how many people will show up to support you. And I just, I thought it was amazing that she was able to do that. Um, and I just was appreciative and I just, I thought she's really helping a lot of women through mm-hmm. this. Um, and especially being that a lot of my social media is taken up by birth and pregnancy um, to see how, how it resonated with so many. I couldn't imagine why anyone could say anything negative to her because for us, it was just such a moment of strength and, and bravery. Um, so yeah, I and I hope I I hope that she started the the ball rolling even more, you know, to say it's okay and this is something that we go through and it's okay to acknowledge it and there's no shame in it and for her to share her experience the way she did and to and then to back it up with such gusto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I loved it so much. And I, I was like, wow, I wonder how it would have been for me if I was able to be so expressive and I don't want to use the word confident. Um, just, what's the word I'm trying to say? If I had been able to express myself and sit validating myself in my choices in, the, in that time, I think it would have been helpful. Maybe it wouldn't have taken me 10 years to be able to process this. Um, And I'm just grateful that other women now may have that experience. Not everyone I understand, but but some. That is a big shift from where we started. Yeah, it allows for so much healing of like the whole mind-body experience. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, like like you said, um, not, not only did she help the women who have gone through it, but like those who have not, like, how can we support? How can we change? Yeah, like, the way to your viewpoint too. Yeah, yeah, how can we be like, be um, the ones who bring up and build up these women? Because I can't even imagine mm-hmm. you know, going through that myself. Like, and like I said, I'm honored to have you. And I'm honored that you were vulnerable to share this because it's not easy. And your strength is, oh, it's amazing. Thank you. Um, I, I genuinely hope that every time a woman shares her story, it's helping another. Um, and I'm gonna keep doing it and hope that someone hears it and feels supported and feels understood um that's my goal 
because I could have used that a lot at the time. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. There are so many other episodes coming your way with so much goodness and so much value. So please press the subscribe button if you